Welcome to the Unrest Podcast. I'm Madeline Green. And I'm Caitlin Stansel. Thanks so much for joining us back here. And if you have not done so yet, go ahead, hit subscribe so you can get all the real life haunts as soon as they are launched. Don't want to miss. And again, it's October. So grab your favorite Halloween candy and listen up. Caitlin, tell us about those spooky dots that you're eating so apparently dots the candy they have instead of like the rainbow colors or like strawberry lemon lime blah 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 they have these that are ghost ones and they're like this weird little green color and they're so cute but they're supposed to be mystery flavors and i swear every single one i've eaten like they all taste the same (laughs) But they're like the coolest oh, green so color. Cute. Yeah. And they literally look exactly like the picture on the box. And they're tasty, but like, you know, they're supposed to be a mystery and they just all sort of taste the same. I feel like it's kind of like the, um, remember the airhead mystery flavor? Right. <laughs> Anyways, about our real life haunt while you're all here. <laughs> this is a podcast about candy. <laughs> no. So for today's real life haunt, I talked to a lady in Georgia and she kind of shares with us something that she isn't sure what it is. Talk about a mystery flavor <laughs> <laughs> throughout her life. In many of the houses that she's lived in, she has experienced some sort of paranormal activity bringing her to the house that she lives in now with her family. She's just had many things happen that she just honestly cannot explain. She kind of chalks it up to being a part of the house, which is pretty interesting. So take a listen. I have had experiences off and on since I was a little kid, but nothing like this when we moved into this house. My, uh, grandparents have an 1898 you know old farmhouse and it was known as the smith farmhouse and it was long known to have a ghost or a haunting in it and i grew up you know very close with my grandparents and spent a lot of my childhood in that house um, and even lived there for a little bit and so i've had a few experiences there when my dad was deployed my mother and i and i was just a toddler we're staying there during his deployment. And um, I think one of my first earliest, earliest memories was being about three or four and laying in the bed on my stomach and just feeling a person like grab the, my middle right finger, my middle finger on my right hand and just looking up and it was just like a woman's face peering at me. I was little at the time and I just, you know, puffed up and ran into the room and I don't remember anything after that, but I just remember that feeling of somebody touching grabbing with two fingers like the top and the bottom of my finger and then the you know like fast forward I think I was about six or seven and I was extremely ill and I guess I'd had a fever but I had an experience where I realized that I was floating above my body and I could I looked down and I could see my body and see myself laying in the bed and at that moment there was like all of these sounds like a trumpet blowing and um, balloons popping and it was like in noise everywhere and a a lady put her hand up in front of me and she said you are not supposed to be here and I was back in my body and my mom even to this day she's like 
that was really scary. You said you left your body. (laughs) And and I, I really just grew up like, you know, happy childhood. It was, you know, kind of a creepy house. And there were some things that happened to me when I was living as a teenager in the house. I lived upstairs. It was just a few things here and there. Everybody has had experience. So my mother and aunt grew up in the house. My grandparents moved into the house in the early, I don't know, 1950s, and they fixed it up. It was abandoned. Um, and they tell funny stories about how even the painters in town wouldn't finish the job. And, you know, he had to, like, it was, people were very, very creeped out in the house. And my, I've never seen anything. I would just, like, experience things that would move or things that would happen. But my mother has seen something. My sister has seen a lady. Um, my grandfather has seen a lady. My grandmother is completely unmoved by it all. She's like, mm, you know, whatever. It doesn't even phase her. She doesn't even give it any time. <laughs> so, but we would all be very creeped out. And there's certain rooms in the house that were more creepy than others. But while I was living there, it was like there was this, <laughs> there was just this like trifold mirror. And it, it, if you kind of like imagine it, I hung on the wall. It was very, it was heavy oak you know, full-length trifold mirror, and you could open open it up, kind of like, you know, a trifold brochure. And I would leave that mirror open, and I stayed up one night. I was, I was about 18 years old, and I was reading late into the night, like reading a book or something. And that old mirror in that old house, it would creak when it opened and closed. And all of a sudden, I heard the creaking, and the right side of the door just slowly started to creak shut, and it shut, and it would make this kind of like clang sound and I was like wow okay that's weird and then the left side of the door started to creak shut and it just clang it so the whole thing folded up on itself and I'm just sitting there looking at it by myself and I'm like what am I supposed to do go get in the bed with my grandparents like I didn't know what to do got under the covers and I just tried to close my eyes and go to sleep so it was just like those kind of little things that happened and once Mm -hmm. I moved out of that house I didn't really have any other you know, issues. My husband and I, we got married, we had a baby, we moved out. And this journey to, into this house, it starts with us in June of 2013. We um, had been renting and moving from place to place. We had had some fallout from, I don't know if you remember the housing market, and we were finally ready to buy another home. And in June of 2013, we find this perfect house. We've in Jackson it's just beautiful it has all the amenities for us it's private it's you know in the right location it's the right size and had all the right features and at that time it's just my husband and I and our son who was 12 at the time and my father-in-law and we had a dog and a cat this is like a mid-70s ranch it has all the character it was it had great projects for us to work on and so and it even had the most important thing to my husband, it had a game room, like this very classic game room man cave that was just perfect for the guys. So we wanted that house and, and, and we moved in and it was great. We spent a lot of time in the game room. The guys, we would spend time listening to music or um, watching football and just kind of like hanging out together. It was kind of like the guys time. It was like my father-in-law and my son and we would just all have like a great time. We had a ping pong table in there and um, a pool table. My husband put up this huge big TV and and a sound system. And it was just a really fun time we would spend all together in there. And there was never any sense of anything. It was just 
just peace. Like this was our place and it was just perfect. But then that December in 2013, my father-in-law suffers this debilitating stroke. And he had been living with us for, I think the previous like eight years, he had been with us a long time. So, you know, he, he was, he was certainly a, a huge member of our family, certainly a big part of a person who, you know, when, when he had this stroke, it was devastating to us because he, sur- he survived the stroke, but the damages were too extensive and he couldn't come back home to live with us. And so he had to be moved to a care facility. Around that time, I guess it was probably about January 2014, I became pregnant with my oldest daughter, Ariel. And during my pregnancy, I had like this crazy insomnia and I would wander the house in the night and I would be cleaning or watching TV and I'd just stay up through the night. And I just had no sense of anything. It was still very much peaceful. Nothing that I ever noticed. I never felt anything. It was just this peace, but there was also, you know, this sadness that we had and this gap in our family because Danny just couldn't be home with us. And when Ariel was born, we felt like, you know, she was born and we, we really felt like she would be watching or following something with her eyes. Like, and sometimes she would seem, you know, as she got a little bit bigger, she would, she got very clingy. She would seem like she would get scared about things. She heard things. Sounds were very, she was very sensitive to sound. And then, and then just her eyes just watching or seeing things or supposedly seeing things that we didn't see. But I just really felt like this was normal, like infant development stuff. And, you know, it was all just very normal. And just before Ariel turns one, her first birthday in July of 2015, my father-in-law passes away. He passes away. And it was shortly after his funeral that I started to notice little things around the house. And it started very slowly, like very small. Like, I think it was just a couple of weeks later, I was standing in the kitchen and I heard one of the kitchen cabinet doors open and close behind me. And it had been so, you know, it was just like a thing, like somebody going into the cabinet, you know how you know your house, but you know, nobody was in the room with me. Or I'd hear like, you know, a sound across the house and I'd realize the bathroom sink was turned on. Somebody left the bathroom sink on. You know, we had a teenager in the house. He was 13. So, you know, growing boy, (laughs) I didn't think anything of it. Andrew, turn off the sink. But little things like that, like our game room overhead light would just be constantly on. And I would think, I thought, you know, I don't remember, maybe somebody left it on or a door would be shut that I thought I had left open. So it's like little things where you think, oh, did I do that? Maybe I'm just losing my mind. Plus I had baby brain. I had a brand new baby. You know, it was just little, little things like that. And then we start, all of us started to smell some smells, like certain smells. Um, my father-in-law was a big smoker, a cigarette smoker. He was, he was a constant smoker, not a good thing, but he, he was a big, big smoker. He did not smoke in the house. We did not allow cigarette smoke in the house, but we would smell cigarette smoke through the house. Like somebody's smoking, who's smoking a cigarette? You know, we could never locate from where it was coming from. And it would just, it would be gone just, just like that. But then there was also this sweet smell of a perfume, like a certain woman's perfume, very sweet we would smell that. And even, um, I don't even know if I should say this, you can cut it out, but my father-in-law would imbibe on certain, you know, marijuana. We, we would smell, we would smell that. Like we would smell the freshest, greenest, 
marijuana unsmoked like that fresh green earthy smell and it would just be so strange because it would just be in the house that wasn't that wasn't something that we would have in our house so it was just like those little smells that we would smell and then one early like early one morning I went to let out our dog at the front door and before I opened the door there was just the strongest smell of cigar smoke so strong that that I was just was like there is a man on that there's somebody on the other side of this door smoking a cigar and it was so strong the dog started to alert bark like he's a lab and he would alert and he started to bark so I just like opened the door really fast and there was just nobody there but that that was the strangest thing because nobody smoked cigars my father-in-law didn't smoke cigars then it was shortly after that we started noticing like the knocks and there were bumps and you know just knocking from the back of the house where our bedrooms are it would just sound like someone knocking on the wall or someone bumping around in the attic or something or something bumping around in the attic. I'm a very light sleeper and I'd wake up around, you know, when all this started happening, I would hear like a sound what, what over, you know, in the attic, over our bedroom to what sounded like our luggage being moved overhead in the attic, this dragging sound. And I didn't really, it didn't scare me. It was just kind of, I was like, mm is this like the house? What, what is this? You know, it was just, and we, there's wood floor in the attic. This is an older house, but it was just like a dragging sound. And sometimes it'd be light and sometimes it'd be heavy, like furniture moving. And it was almost every night that I would hear it. So my son started noticing the knocks and they were freaking him out. He was, he didn't like that. He didn't think that that was cool at all. And I think he really started to feel very uneasy one day when he had gotten off the bus nobody was home but both our front and back doors to the house were wide open and you know that's some, i guess that could happen right like the doors were that could happen i suppose but he had to call the police because both the front and back doors were open and we couldn't explain why and he just he started to you know feel very uneasy for him i think i was giving um his little sister a bath one evening after dinner and he was washing the dishes. I don't know where my husband was, but one of the dining room chairs, we have a, um, a big heavy dining room table and the chairs are very heavy, solid. And one of the dining room chairs just flipped over backwards, just fell over backwards. Our pets weren't around. There was nothing hanging on it. And it just, that really scared him. He, he was like, you know, he was like, mom, dad, this happened, you know, after that, he didn't want to be alone at home anymore, like ever, like ever. And I, and I was getting this kind of like just this uneasy, uncomfortable feeling too. Like I just no longer felt comfortable walking through the house at night. I didn't like having all the lights off. I started putting night lights everywhere. I started leaving lamps on in every room. It just was uncomfortable. It was like an uncomfortable, like, what is this? And of course, my husband is oblivious to all of it, right? You know, he—he's. <laughs> I'll ask him questions about it, and he's like, "No, I don't. I don't notice anything. I, you know, nothing. Y'all, there's nothing to worry about." He was not worried about it. But then one night, we were the three of us were hanging out in the game room. You know, I don't know what washing. I don't know what we were doing, but I left to use the bathroom and. When I got back, my husband was like, ha, you think you're funny, ha, ha, and he threw a ping pong ball at me. I was so confused. I was so confused. I guess a ping pong ball had been thrown at his head. 
convinced that I did it, like as a prank, like as I, I left out of the room and threw it at him while he wasn't looking. Our son, my son pulled me aside and he was like, Mom, you know, this happened. Did, you swear you didn't throw that ball at Dad, right? Do you, I mean, did you throw it at Dad? And I was like, no, I didn't throw the ball at Dad. I swear I didn't. And I think to this day, Jeremy still thinks I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but anyway, that's when we were like, okay, you know, something weird is definitely going on in our house. And, you know, it was after that that things started to get more aggressive. I tried to do some research on the house. It is a little bit older. It was built in the mid-70s, 1975. And there is some history with the owners. There is a house that is in the back of our yard that's adjacent to us. Family um, who lived in Jackson years ago, and they had a bunch of children. It's a big old house back there, and they had a bunch of children. And I, I guess one of their daughters married a man, and I can't remember their name, but his last name was Jackson. And I don't know if this was their property or how it came to be, but they built their house on this property sort of adjacent to her parents' house. They were connected. So there is kind of like this sort of driveway that connects to this back house over there. I don't know how old that other house is or anything more about that family, but it's interesting. It's cool because they built this house and there's even like initials that have been scratched into the concrete from when they poured the driveway their names and then their children's their three children's names so that's pretty cool it it has this great character so they built the house and lived here we did not buy it from the original owners we bought it from a couple who had been renting it before us and we knew who was renting it and we asked them had you ever experienced anything in this house and we we also asked the original owners and nobody had ever you know had any experience or sense or thought of any sort of presence or ghost or anything and so and even when we moved in I didn't we didn't there was nothing it was just perfectly peaceful and wonderful so you know it was just really really strange you know I think I could I could never believe it was my father-in-law I believe that entities have the ability to take advantage of human emotions at difficult times I believe that they you know are, they mimic our past loved ones. I believe my father-in-law passed and he's in heaven. He was a good man. He was a good father. He was a good friend. I don't believe that this is him. I think that the birth of our baby and my father-in-law's illness and then his passing gave room to something that just wasn't invited. And right. I don't know why and I don't understand it, but that's that's my thought. I just can't, because when things started to get more aggressive around the house, I'm, this was not him. He would not do this to us. So, <laughs> no, I can't believe that it's him. After the ping pong ball incident, my husband and I, we were jolted awake one, one, one night and at 2 a.m. And the TV was just like blasting in the living room. The volume is like maxed out. We had to finally unplug it at the wall. And that absolutely terrified me. I unplugged the TV every night for months before we went to bed. Because that, that was so scary. We, we keep our house generally tidy and in order. So if things are out of place, we notice immediately. And so little things like my husband's knickknacks in his game room, like his little toys would be moved around or um, framed photos would be turned. You know, like a kitchen drawer would be hanging open. And that's not, you know, the kind of thing we wouldn't just open a drawer and leave it open. 
one morning I woke up and went into the kitchen and four of our cabinet doors in the kitchen were all standing open. And, you know, maybe we maybe we were doing these things. You know, I had a toddler at the time. Who knows? But it, these were all like little things that we could just kind of like explain away. But it, it, it wouldn't be like us to leave four cabinet doors open. We make our bed every morning. And a couple of times my husband had come home to our bed and made like someone was getting in it or mm. someone was looking under it. We never saw anything, but one night when Ariel was about two and a half, just like out of nowhere, she started screaming and pointing to a corner of our living room. And at the same time, our dog started to alert Bart. And that just, I mean, it just freaked my husband out. It freaked us both out. And she was just screaming and screaming until my husband finally just scooped her up and took her out of the room. And we'd ask her like, you know, what, what happened? What's the matter? But she never said anything Mm -hmm. like she never gave us anything that we could that helped us you know and after that I just was like this made me really mad like this made me feel so angry like mama bear and that night I I went into the living room and I just said out loud you will absolutely not scare my baby again you will stop that and I just was so furious I was so mad I think I mean my hands were in fists and I just decided I was not going to give it or those little pranks any more energy. And so I just decided to think of whatever it was as like a part of the character of the house because this is my house and I wanted our piece back. And so I decided it was not going to scare me anymore. And once I did that, it really, it stopped um, mostly. My son, my son had moved out for college. There were still a few knocks here and there and some dragging in the attic. And there was a couple of more ping pong ball incident believe it or not but no I I never could believe that that it was my father-in-law there was sometime later and around in 2018 and 2019 I was going through like a difficult time emotionally I was dealing with some extended family trauma some things that happened and a few of these little pranks had started back up again there was you know there I was working from home a lot and I would hear like a crashing sound like as if you know a shelf had fallen in the closet, but there'd be nothing. I had a couple of pots that just fell off of shelves outside, you know, planted pots, very heavy planters, and they just fell. My, I'd be working, and the attic would just be rocking and rolling. Hmm. <laughs> and I, I just, I just, you know, I just, it was just like, kind of like a thing, like, mm-hmm, there's a party going on in the attic. There would be the sound of someone, you know, slamming the back door. So I just wouldn't give it any energy or even talk about it. And it would get quiet, you know, with just a few things here and there. But now my oldest daughter, she's eight. And she has never felt easy being alone at all. Alone in any rooms. She doesn't want to go in her room by herself. Um, She's like extremely afraid all the time. And she always wants all the lights on. She, you know, she, she wants to keep the TV on all night long. And... I haven't been noticing any knocks or scratching or anything, but a few months ago she started telling me that she was hearing some knocks on the wall. And so I really worry about her giving whatever this is energy. And so I told her, I just told her, I said, we have a family of raccoons in the attic. Believe it or not, you know, they stopped. The the knocks stopped for her. And I'm like, okay, good. We're not going to give it any more energy. But two weeks ago, and I have never seen anything, but two weeks ago, she told me that she saw a shadow person in the bathroom. That's on a whole nother level. (laughs) 
do think that there is something to be said about certain individuals and their energy or their emotions that, I don't know, invite or open opportunities for, for things like this. Would say, and I know it's easier said than done because I had to go through my own journey with it, is just try your best not to feed it any of any negative energy or give it, it any fear. I just decided to start thinking of whatever this is as part of our house, like the tile on the wall or a closet in a room, like it was just here. And I decided just I wasn't going to even, it was just, I, you know, if I saw something or heard something, I'd just be like, hmm, and just move on. So I would recommend just not giving it the energy. I've had people say, well, why don't you have, you know, some ghost um, hunters come in your house or why don't you have a psychic come through or why don't you sage it? I even think those things can empower or enable energies like this to be stronger and latch on. That's just my belief. So, you know, I don't know if it's true. These are just, this is just some of the things that I think. So I wouldn't, yeah, I would just say, don't give it any more energy or power or belief. And I even would, and I do think that, you know, thinking back to my father-in-law, I do think that there are relatives do visit us in spirit. And I do think they're with us. And I do think there's signs um, that they are here and that they want us to know that they're okay and they want us to be okay. But it's never going to be an energy that's anything other than comforting and loving. It's an energy that scares you. I would just not give that energy a face to a relative or a loved one that's passed on ever. So what I've had to do to kind of like work through some of these things. So when I was living with my grandparents, I was feeling extremely scared by some of the things that was happening um, and just powerless. And I think at one point, I just made a decision then to where it just made me mad that I couldn't be comfortable in my own space. And I just made that decision then like, you know what, if you live here, I live here. You're going to leave me alone and you're going to stop scaring me. And, I, and after that, it the thing stopped there at my grandparents' house. And of course, I, I had moved, I moved out shortly, you know, a few months later. But I just, I think that there is something to be said in taking back your own human power and um, not giving way to the fear. I know that it's really, really hard to do. I think what's interesting about the story is. Obviously, she is or has experienced stuff throughout her life, so she is sensitive to it. Is it necessarily something that has followed her from house to house? I'm not sure, but I do like the idea that she she doesn't want to give it too much credit, if that makes sense. She doesn't really want to like confront it and, and give it, you know, too much power. So, so she kind of just treats it as like, okay, it's a part of my house. I feel like (laughs) I feel, yeah, I feel like that's an interesting way to look at it. I guess if you want to continue living there, you sort of have to have that. (laughs) Well, and that's Uh, what makes it so tough is like, you know, like she said, this is like their dream home. It had everything that they want. So of course you don't want to leave and I don't blame her, you know? Yeah, no, I think I love that so much. Um, just her whole thought about it, you know, it's just a part of, this is where we live. This is what, what we deal with. And, you know, it's just, we accept it and about our day. (laughs) Yeah. We're not going to let it kick us out of our own house. Which I think happens so many times, mm -hmm. you know, and so I definitely think it's, it's a, a good way to go about it. 
And if you haven't watched it yet, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but CBS has this show called Ghost. It is such a cute show. It's like a comedy, but it's this couple. They're living in this house amongst ghosts and the wife can like see them and interact with them. And it sort of makes me think of that just without the, (laughs) I guess, real acknowledgement that those ghosts are around. So we're here at the end of the show now. (laughs) So you know what to do. If you want to send in your real life haunt. (laughs) (laughs) So if you have a story that you think our audience would enjoy or that we would enjoy, we don't care if they enjoy it. Um, send it to us at the email. <laughs> at the old email, you at know. The old email. The unrest podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, like us there, join our Facebook group where we have a lot of fun um interactive content. We'd love to see you over there. And we're also on Instagram and TikTok. And until next time, unrest, unrest in peace. peace.